You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. Sometimes we talk about torture porn, sometimes we talk about 80s slashers, and sometimes we talk about dark-ass Disney movies, which is the subject of today's episode. I'm John. I'm Kim. And today's movie is Something Wicked This Way Comes, the 1983 cult classic that has been haunting me since I was a child. I don't know about you, Kim, is this a movie that you watched when you were younger? I did not watch this one when I was younger. I was always aware of it. Like, I Mm. always knew of it, but it wasn't one that ever kind of came on my radar. Maybe I saw some of it on, like, the television. With Um, a title like that? You were just like, I gotta see this? I know. It's a crime. It really, really is. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I knew anything about it. I was just like, great title. Put it on. Let's go, Mom and Dad. (laughs) Yeah, I think the first time I watched it was with you. So I guess I lived through you on this one. I Yeah, this has been a lifelong obsession of mine. I like it more than Stephen King's Needful Things. Like, it's Are just, they similar? Or? They kind of are similar. Like, Stranger Rolls Into Town offers you, you know, your dreams, but it comes at a price. Kinda. It always comes at a price. <laughs> hey, it's got a fucking evil carnival. How could you go wrong? Believe it or not, this was not a huge success at the box office. You know, it's same thing we experienced with the film we did last time is that it's got a weird target market for the time. And especially this one, because our lead protagonists are young boys. Whereas I think The Watcher in the Woods was actually going for the tween audience. This one definitely targeted for kids. And it's very, very dark. <laughs> yeah. it. So parts of it scared me as a kid. Uh, I think it's a movie that has played better as an adult or for me as an adult, because I think the themes in it are a little too nuanced for kids to understand. Arguably, like, the children would just simply not get it. Well, just the idea that, like, death is inevitable, and, like, I don't know, you have a character who is literally given the option to, who's basically staring death in the face. It's practically tapping him on the shoulder, and he's and he has the power to just walk away from it, but says no anyway. I don't know. There is a, there is an adult quality to the horror in this movie, Uh, And I guess just because the leads are kids for two thirds of the movie, it's a kid's movie. It was a weird marketing scheme. Doesn't necessarily look like it paid off for them because the kids in 1983 didn't have cool parents. Or their parents were too cool to take them to the movies. (laughs) Too cool to go see a fucking dark carnival movie? All right. But John, for anybody that hasn't been born and bred with something wicked this way comes, give us three good things about the movie. Sure. Super easy. Number one, it's a creepy carnival. You cannot go wrong. Horror movies made for kids at a a old-timey, like, 1940s-style carnival that's rolling in on the train, but is also super dark and will eat your soul. Yeah, definitely a supernatural creepy carnival. 
<laughs> Love it. Number two has got to be Jonathan Price as the villain, Mr. Doc. He's a little he's a little Shakespearean for kids, I think. He's a little operatic. Yeah, but <laughs> he's uh, got some flourish. <laughs> so fucking ominous as a villain. As as soon as he shows up, it's like he has the whole town under his thumb. He's Just got a, a stare, Dracula right? quality about he's him. He's got a Dracula quality. You're yeah. right. He's very alluring, but also you know he's bad. <laughs> and uh number three definitely is some very early uh special effects that Disney's kind of known for. Like it it's really good cartoon on top of live action that does not look like cartoon. Specifically, I'm thinking of like this really creepy green fog that rolls in from I the carnival. I love when they do that. Um, yeah. And th- even like the steam off the train when it's rolling into town and you can see these tufts of smoke every like turn of the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like, it's a cartoon, but it's so spooky. Oh, like uno- unofficial part four or like three, like part number three, part B. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fucking Pam Greer is like every evil woman in this movie. That She's 17 evil an- women. <laughs> that has nothing to do with animated fog. Okay, it's it's jo- Jonathan Price and Pam Greer <laughs> is, is your duo of villains in this movie. She's amazing. Like, and it's just... In Half the time, it's just her eyes. She just stares at you, and you're like, oh, God, she's in my head. Love it. I really want to know her deal, but I feel like that's Ray Bradbury's way of being like, you got to read the fucking book. (laughs) So funny story, uh, before we throw over to the trailer, this was originally written as a short story. Oh, wow. That he, I read Wikipedia, that he he adapted into a screenplay for Gene Kelly to direct. That project fell apart, so then he just like wrote it as a novel because it didn't look like anybody was going to make the movie, and then, I don't know, 10, 20 years later, boom, Hollywood's knocking on the door because they want to adapt that novel into a screenplay, which he also wrote for this movie. Yeah, which is also really rare because um, Stephen King tries to do all the time and it doesn't all work. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't always work. Uh, well, that's why you end up with uh, voiceovers and every single side character from the novel having a little bit of time on the screen when you're like, uh, guys, we got to get to the creepy carnival. Yeah, like, I know this was your favorite part, but pff, not really serving us a whole lot. I'll say right now, uh, again, more Wikipedia facts here for you. That voiceover added after the fact. Ray Bradbury didn't put it in. <gasps> not a Ray Bradbury choice. <laughs> we were both just like, of course, you let a writer adapt his own work. And he's like, you know what we need here? Narration. Can't can't lose all these beautiful words on the page. Oh, boy. Not his choice. Maybe it was his choice. And maybe they, they were like, nah, 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 nah. And then it didn't work without it. So a lot like The Watcher in the Woods, Something Wicked This Way Comes has a storied post-production history. And we'll get into it. But first, here's the trailer. And I'll be back in a second with some ratings. Hellfire storms are coming, an electric storm to clean your streets and wash away your troubles. For every heart, there exists a wish. You ever play the numbers, Mr. Holloway? Hey, never take risks. For every soul, there burns a desire. Oh, it's up. Always was. It smells to me like we're going to have visitors. But never whisper your dreams, for someone might be listening. (laughs) And for every wish, there will be a price. For every desire, there will be a cost. 
soul's midnight. My name is Mr. Dark. I advise you to respect it. Dad, please be careful. Will. Will. Uh, these boys I'm looking for, perhaps you know them? Fine boy, fine. Both of them quite a credit to this little town, if you want to know the truth. I do want to know the truth, sir. And the truth is that you are lying. I am pricking up my thoughts. Something wicked this way come. Then rang the bells, both loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Where do you come from? The dust. Where do you go to? The grave. Yes. We are the hungry ones. Your torments call us like dogs in the night. And we do feed. And feed well. You tell me where the boys are hiding. And I can make you young again. Ray Bradbury's fantasy tale of light and darkness is getting closer. Something wicked this way comes. Something wicked this way comes. It's currently sitting at a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3.3 out of 5 on Ladderboxd. This movie is also directed by Jack Clayton, who apparently Ray Bradbury had worked with before on Moby Dick. Uh, do you Did you happen to look up Jack Clayton and some of the other movies that he's made? I did not. He directed the 1961 uh, adaptation of Turning the Screw, The Innocence. Oh! Yeah, we almost covered that in the podcast. Or did we cover that in the podcast? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know we covered The Haunting. Did we cover The Innocence? Anyway, uh, yeah, that movie, super haunting. Yeah. Mostly like a, a vibe mood piece. Yes, Definitely the same vibe. They are on the same train. Right? Yeah. As much as something Wicked This Way Comes has like lots of visual kind of scares, and The Innocence has a couple as well, it's really the tone of the movie that sort of burrows into you, Yeah, right? it's just the endless sense of foreboding. <laughs> yeah. Juxtaposed with that, though, is like the fucking... Norman Rockwell painting quality of the whole movie, though, right? Like, don't you hate the, oh, golly gee, opening of it? Like, just like, oh, just some schoolboys just, uh, you know, making fun of their teacher and running through our small town. Oh, boy, what a great time to live. No, I love it. You love that? (laughs) I do love it. I don't. I love it. I love the whole little town square. I love the weird barber and the cigar shop owner. Well, you, you want a vacation there. I just want to live there. Okay, all right. With their spooky carnival rolling into town and just my biggest compliment to this movie is that for a movie set in fall it feels like fall that's a good point there's fucking leaves everywhere people are wearing overcoats and hats (laughs) it looks goddamn cold and everybody's like a carnival this time of year how preposterous yeah like you look at the new hocus pocus movie even the old hocus pocus movie and you're like you're like guys you are in fucking salem massachusetts you are not wearing winter coats under your halloween costumes i don't believe it that's yeah, true. Growing up, like Halloween and, and fall, like deep fall, this is in October, it's fucking cold. Yeah, yeah, and then like New England, yeah. I, I don't remember where this movie set. Did they say where it was? I'm sure it's New England. Massachusetts, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure it's New England. It looks like it. But they, they have leaves and they're everywhere and they're blowing into town. And for, you know, a title, Something Wicked This Way Comes, where, you know, darkness is floating in on the breeze. The fact that there are just leaves blowing the whole way through, it's just like, oh, give me that fall mood. That wind is like kind of a character in the beginning of the movie, too. Like it blows through everybody and the wind picks up as the, st- as the, as the train's coming like it's a storm rolling into town. Fucking love that. But my favorite, my favorite image in the beginning of the movie with the wind is when you just see Mr. Dark in his top hat walking through town, tossing flyers into the air and just letting them like fly off. I know he's not even pinning them. No, nowhere. It's just like, oh, yeah, we just came in on the breeze. Like you didn't know we were going to be here and surprise we've showed up. But just I don't know. Something evil just like tossing invitations into the wind is like so creepy (laughs) and like having no regard for the posters, right? He's just crumpling them and tossing them. And just very on brand, like just so good for the title. Good work. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like the circus leader is the fucking slender man. (laughs) (laughs) I and I too, I love that. Even though we know this carnival blew in on the breeze, the fact that they arrive on a train and then are just instantly set up and you're just like. This is something creepy. Yeah, why aren't the kids like... Is that a real train? Does that train exist, John? Here's my question of the day. Oh, okay. Is it a real train? I, uh... Because the carnival disappears, spoiler alert, in a tornado. (laughs) The train does not pick them up again. (laughs) I don't think the train... Man... I'll say this, sure, it's it's not real, but you could touch it, but it's not actually there. Like, it's it's a spirit of a train. Um... I spent so much of the movie trying to think about the logistics of these old-timey carnivals that would show up on trains. I'm like, wait, so how does that work? Like, you roll into town, you set up the carnival at night, cool, yeah, now everybody knows that. Uh, that way in the morning when people wake up, like, oh shit, there's a fucking carnival here. It's like, this wasn't here yesterday. But then you also are on train tracks. So, like, I guess you have to know or at least notify people that you're on the track so another train doesn't come barreling through town like this is just old-timey logistics that i don't understand (laughs) how did nobody ever die getting hit by another freight train that was just like bringing corn into the town doesn't didn't they have like a guy working on the um the switch and that's why you have all those haunted light stories because he accidentally like didn't switch the light or he was on the track when the train came and it's his light showing because he's a ghost. Okay, so it was just a occupational hazard. Like, yeah. Y- yeah, as a trait, as a circus performer, you might become a ghost because of a bad switchman. So I did come across some really interesting stuff about the train rolling into town. And this is like such a common theme on our podcast, lately at least, talking about what the movie could have been. Like, especially in us talking about Friday the 13th, A New new Beginning over in the Fiend Club, half the conversation was just like, oh, yeah, but here's what they planned to do. Yeah, but that movie was butchered to all hell. So. I got to tell you right now, based based on uh, based on some stuff that I was reading, it sounds like this movie was kind of butchered to all hell. What? Yeah. Like The Watcher in the Woods, they brought in a new director to shoot a few extra scenes. They changed the entire score because it was too scary. Yeah, they re-edited a whole bunch of shit. Like, they brought in a new editor to chop the movie up. Wow. Yeah, basically, at some point, Disney took the movie over from Ray Bradbury and Jack Clayton, who uh, were both trying to stay as, of course, Ray Bradbury was, but Jack Clayton as well, trying to stay as close to the novelization as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Disney, maybe learning from the mistakes of The Watcher in the Woods, decided that this was way too fucking scary. Like, we're making kids movies. Yes, we're trying to branch out and, and to make something a little more adult, but not this adult. 
Which is it's interesting you say that too, because something I noticed, and I don't want to slight the movie for this because the story is so good, but it does feel a little stilted, like the pacing of it. There's yes. this it's like scene to scene a bit, which makes sense if there are a lot of fingers in the pie. Yeah. It's not it's not a perfect movie. It's not fluid in the way that you would expect a movie that's written by the author based on source material. They they went in knowing the end and it feels like it's a little bit like chunk, chunk, chunk. Especially once we get to the end, but I do want to save that for, for when we're when we're deep in it. So the the train rolling into town sequence was apparently a whole special effects sequence that got cut from the movie. And it's really early computer generated stuff. Oh wow. Yeah, like soup like before young Sherlock Holmes and shit. And apparently the whole idea was that you were supposed to see um, the steam from the train sort of creating the carnival. Like it was <gasps> it it was like manifesting from the fog and the steam of the train. Oh, I fucking love that. Right? Yeah, so the smoke from the locomotive uh, becomes the ropes and tents. Tree limbs grow together to form a Ferris wheel. A spider web morphs into the wheel of fortune. Like, it's just like all of the creepy nighttime shit becomes the carnival. Oh, I love that. Wouldn't that have been amazing? See, some things, though, are best in novel format where they can, like, live and be created in your mind because... That sequence you can envision, and I don't know if not even just 1983 technology, but now technology would just be so CGI heavy that all of the magic would be removed. They shot that. I'm not saying that that's part of the novel that oh, they wow. scrapped. Like they shot it, and it was in the original cut of the movie. Wow! But they they went and retooled a lot. Yeah, because it's just like train rolls in, and then the kids and arrive, yeah, and, and they're bam. like, "Wow, carnival!" Yeah, like they the cool thing about that train though is they they watch it roll in, they chase after it. The carnival's already there, but also they see no one on the train. Yeah, and there's no one in the carnival. Like the yeah. carnival is set up and like down for the night. You don't hear anybody. There's nobody yelling like, "Grab that rope!" Like, make it tighter or whatever. However, tents are constructed. <laughs> um, but like another cool sequence, apparently. Like, do you remember that scene where the kids are? hiding from from Mr. Dark and then the house is just infested with spiders like yes. thousands of real life spiders well and then you have that really great leading up to it you have that haunted fog Fuck that's yeah, like man. hunting for them through the town yeah which I fucking love and then and then they choose spiders and you're like oh okay well the ceiling breaking is pretty cool but so it was supposed to be these it was I'm not gonna say supposed to be it was they shot at two giant fucking hands <gasps> reaching in and grabbing them <laughs> that was the scene. And that's less scary than spiders everywhere? Apparently. Also not as much for the, the, the child actors. I bet that was fuck. I bet they had nightmares about that scene for years. The moment when um like Will is so traumatized that he crawls into the back corner of the bed and he's just tucked in the corner. Oh, I don't like and that. And then the sheet is moving. <laughs> yeah. And he finally gets the courage to lift up the sheet and it's filled with spiders. That would be the moment for me as a kid where I'm like, hello, nightmares. Welcome to my regular schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's got so much creepy shit. What's the th- if you were a child watching this movie, what's the scene that would have fucked you up the most? The, that spider oh, the lifting spider the scene. sheets. Also, even in the very very beginning, when the the carnival has just rolled into town, and the lightning rod guy sees who we now know to be Pam Greer in that like frozen ice block with the oh, glowing yeah. ring. There's so little information provided in that scene that my little kid brain would have just imploded in on itself. Really? I would have just been like, spooky sarcophagi woman. Because it's it's building questions. Why like, is hey, she why froze? Is this- why is she froze? <laughs> 
Yeah, she's pretty pretty great in this movie. The the scene that fucked me what up. What is she? I don't even know. She's whatever you need her to be. Like an assistant <laughs> of magical proportions? I don't know. Like I like to imagine that she's a giant spider. Like and she's she's the one making the web that or like I don't I don't know. Like I, I think like her that. and Mr. Dark together are a spider and a web and they're just <laughs> You know, okay, well, then Mr. Mr. Dark is the wind that draws the fly to the net. No, he's the top hat that the spider wears. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, that's what I like to think of for them. The scene that fucked me up as a kid was when Mr. Dark is looking for the two children in town. He's, mm-hmm. he's brought the parade in. Like, oh, yeah, fun parade from the carnival, but it's really a search party. So the kids are hiding across town. They're phoning their dad. They're hiding in the sewers. And then Mr. Dark is talking to Will's dad. And he's like, have you seen these two boys? And he opens his palms and he's got tattoos of their faces. That creeped me out. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. I was already like, oh, God. And then when he clenches his fists and blood starts dripping out from between his fingers, I was like, oh, God. I think I turned it off. (laughs) Like, I think I was like, I need to watch the rest of this after my afternoon snack. (laughs) Like, I gotta take a quick little break, grab a sippy cup. I need some carrots and ranch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you were mentioning uh, at the top of the show about how it's got like levels of horror and and there's even scares for you as an adult, mm-hmm. watching this as an adult, I can tell you the scene that I would find the scariest is when Mr. Dark is basically accosting Mr. Holloway in his library. Oh, yeah. And this is immediately after that hand sequence. This is a very long sequence. In no other movie would this type of Shakespearean scare <laughs> yes. be permitted. Yeah, they but really they really draw it out, but it's so good. It's so good. So Jim and Will are hiding in and amongst the bookcases in, in Will's dad's library. Yeah. Mr. Dark is, you know, all-knowing. He's super, supernatural, creepy. He knows they're fucking there. He knows that Mr. Holloway is Will's dad. And we've learned at this point he's got this, you know, given trade where he's definitely acquiring more people for his carnival by utilizing their weaknesses against them. So the the barber man uh, really likes... You know, that barber is so fucking horny. And as we yeah. like, do you smell that? There's women on the breeze. Yeah, he, oh. he really likes, you know, alluring faraway women. And uh, the cigar man likes money and such and such and so forth. And then they become part of the carnival. Yeah, well, which... football, football player who's lost his arm and his leg would really like them back. You know, there's also that. <laughs> you know, old teacher wants to be young again. I'm sure we'll talk about those in more detail. But he's promising Mr. Holloway the opportunity to go back in time. So the whole way through the movie, which is also a source of adult fear for me, they're very, very apparent that his he's got a bad heart. Well, yeah, he's a much older dad than anybody else in town. Like, they, the bo- even the boys make jokes that his dad is basically his grandpa. He's old, but he's also biologically old. Yeah. And he can't go running smoking around. Smoking cigars a- the whole movie. He's smoking and drinking. He's like, ah, I wish I could just play catch with my boy. Like, I could tell you two things you could stop doing right now that might help with that. <laughs> Yeah, but so Mr. Dark just starts tearing pages out of this book that he's been reading. That's basically, you know, the guide to the evil carnival. Well, it's even even better than that. It's his grandfather or his father's journal entries. Oh. So it's literally his father's life 
that he's looking at. And that's how he finds out that the carnival had come back when when even he was a boy and his father, the minister, sensed evil in the carnival. So he's literally got a book where each page is like another, you know, month of his own father's life. And he's offering him to go back to like age 25 or 30 when most people would have a child Will's age. You know, you just got to tell me where the boys are and I will make you young again. And when he he very clearly doesn't want to give his son up, he just starts ripping pages out and like they glow gold before he he tosses them away. And he's like, okay, well, there you go. Bam, that's gone. How about 35? 35 not young enough? Gone. And like we were going like year after year with each page. It is such an incredible sequence. It's fucking dark and scary. And it really relates to the end too because the whole movie kind of ends up being a story about a son and his father and kind of the legacy that's left. And all this dad wants to do is like leave a good memory of himself for his son because that's how he feels he'll live on. And Mr. Dark is playing on this eternal life thing. It's just so many layers of nuance, like you said. Yeah, that yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, it's fucking scary in an existential way. It's, it sounds like a lot for a movie, for a kid's movie, because... I love I love hearing you say that he wants to leave a good image of himself for his son because, because his life is also like, yeah, I'm an old man and I can't do all the things that these young fathers can do if those kids even have young fathers around in town. But he's been beating himself up. Oh, and my he's God. He's got so much regret because like the, the, the thing that's defined their relationship, at least according to dad, because I, yeah. don't, I don't know how much it actually resonates with Will. I guess enough that he knows not to bring it up or not to talk about it. Yeah. He never wants to talk about it. And it will definitely if they if they don't do something about it now will define their relationship as a, like once he's an adult. That'll be all he remembers of his dad. Mm-hmm. Like that he was old and that one time he almost let him die because Will was drowning and his dad was too scared to go into the water to save him. And Jim Nightshade, Will's best friend, who's his kind of accomplice in the whole movie. His dad is not around anymore, has definitely left them, left him and his mom. But at the time, Jim Nightshade's dad was the one that went in and saved him. So like a father that's not even present, but, you know, did something heroic, outdoes a father that's there all the time, but can't provide in a sense yeah or or at least feels like he has a bunch of shortcomings and the the crazy thing he was also jim's dad who saved will was drunk at the time like he was at the shore bank just drinking and he he he, like i love the the detail that his dad adds like he he didn't even take off his shoes without taking off his shoes yeah (laughs) there's so much adult stuff in it uh that i'm i'm real surprised it didn't perform I, I i don't know if i was an adult watching this watching trailers for this movie i would just assume oh kids movie i'm i don't like horror movies made for kids i'm gonna skip this one it's not words i would say out loud but the average movie going audience probably skipped it thinking it was for kids i feel like that's the the way with all of ray bradbury's stuff is that it's packaged up like it is for children but it is for adults. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's always been like one of the best qualities that he's had is that he I don't know, he remembers how scary like he remembers how scary childhood was, so he can talk about it in that sense, but it's from the perspective of a person who knows that there's something scarier waiting for you, you know, 30, 40 years down the road. And I, but I think as an adult for those things to t- for to tap into those, you have to go back to childhood. You have to go back to that world where you just accept things at face value because you are you haven't learned not to disregard them yet. Mm. Like a scary carnival coming into town, there's a reason why there are only three people in town that kind of understand 
that there's something evil at its core. The two boys who see it for what it is and Will's dad who's desperate to make amends with his son. He believes him because he wants to be there for him. That's true. I think he also is like incredibly risk averse. So he's in, he's skeptical every step of the way. Like there's even a moment where uh, the cigar shop guy asks him like, hey, do you play the lottery? He goes, nope, I've, I never take risks. Like I've never taken a risk in my life, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, to to a fault <laughs> and and going to the carnival is like a risk for him. Like he just, he sees it immediately as a risk. So he doesn't even bother. Yeah. Part of my childhood self though, really just loves that these boys have somebody that believes them. Like when they're hiding in the gutter and Will's dad yeah. is above and he gets his attention. And he's like, okay, come to the light. Like the fact that they have somebody in their corner while they're against this ancient evil. Yes. is just like, I love it so much because most great. often it's the adults don't believe us. Yes, and it's nah, nah, just nah, the yes. kids with maybe the one crazy lady in town <laughs> who, all, who everybody also hates and doesn't listen to. At least here it's a sensible older person who's like pretty well respected in the community. And as, as long as he can get some hard physical evidence, people will believe him. <laughs> Hard to hard to tell everybody that there's a carousel in town that if you ride it backwards you will become young again, <laughs> which uh, should not be as scary as it is. Like it should just be oh somebody hops on a carousel it runs backwards and then they come out a little boy. But when that happens in the movie, it's kind of horrifying. You no, know, it is. It's horrifying every time they use it and or mention it. <laughs> that little boy who I guess he's like a circus hand. Like he's he's kind of operating all of the evil carnival rides. <laughs> but when they put him on the car, when they put him on the carousel and he becomes a child again, uh, maybe maybe I'm just being a little harsh to that little ginger boy, but he looks like he has no soul in those eyes. <laughs> it's because of they shoot him from the ground up and there's like all of these deep shadows <laughs> yeah. in his face. Well, that and like he's standing over top of a woman dying and he just smiles. <laughs> it's weird motivation there though because Mr. Dark's like, okay, I want to go capture that woman that wants to be young again. Mm -hmm. um, what we'll do is we'll reverse age my lead, Carney, and he'll pretend to be her nephew. Yeah. Thus... <laughs> capturing her youth like what <laughs> yeah he just has these spies that basically go into town people don't notice that like the barber is missing that the uh, i guess malt shop or bar back is missing like the guy who's who's uh one-armed one-legged it's because they're all at the carnival they're all enamored by the carnival I guess that's true nobody's yeah. visiting the local businesses that are like have put up a sign that says out for a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry zipped out <laughs> you, you would think that this is the kind of thing that would show up to a major city like in a small town where there's maybe 50 people, if three of you go missing, that's a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's an emergency. Yeah, but he's magic. Maybe he just wrote them out of existence. Like maybe when oh, the carnival dark. leaves town, all no memory No one remembers of them? Oh, fuck. <laughs> that's what I would bet on. Yeah, that's dark, all right. So what is your opinion of why Mr. Dark is particularly focused, very zoned in on these two boys? Why does he want them so bad? Because they know the jig or? I think that's it. I think that's exactly it. Because they've learned the secret of the carnival. Or because they see him for what he is. But it's got to be more than just they know too much. You know what I mean? Well, they aren't. It feels personal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it becomes personal after that. I think at first it's just like these two harmless little boys who are a little too nosy for their own good. And they're not really focused on grabbing children. Like, they want children to grow old and have regrets and have sadness that they can exploit. Maybe it's because the boys have sadness. Maybe it's because they have those regrets oh, and those pains. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, because both of them have daddy, daddy issues. issues. <laughs> 
But I mean, and mommy issues, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's a really interesting idea that darkness came to them earlier in life than it comes for most people. Mm-hmm. That's that's an interesting angle. I like that a lot. But I think story wise, it's just because they peeked behind the curtain and now they got to get them. So that way, when they leave town, we don't have these two kids that are aware of the carnival and know to warn people when it comes back, because it seems like it will probably come back in another 50 years. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's like, you know, like Stephen King's It, you know, it's just, it's got like a, it's got a lifespan that it returns to. Like once a generation it comes and it collects all of the, all of the most broken people. Oh, I love that. And they just, they just, they just disappear out of the, out of streets. Oh, that's just like a box of horror chocolates to me. Right? Like you're just, you're just selling me more of this movie. (laughs) That's why this movie has kind of sat with me my entire life. Like I love it. I even, even the end of the movie doesn't make any kind of sense. Like, it's really a bit of mashed potatoes. Like, it's it's way more psychedelic than you would expect for a kid's movie. <laughs> like, we go into a fun house, there's fog everywhere, and it's just like acid trip imagery about weird, creepy shit and witches and ghouls that are becoming, that are aging faster and becoming monsters and... It's a weird, weird finale. Well, yeah, and then how they end up killing Mr. Dark, quote unquote, killing him, is throwing him on the car- the carousel and putting it forward so that yeah. he like decays into this like evil skeleton thing with these long ass fingers that I love and visually wonderful. But you're like, I kind of wanted a bigger ending for him. I mean, there again, the ending was different. Uh, I don't I don't know if I remember reading like what the ending necessarily was I will say though if you go to the Ray Bradbury Museum or Institute or whatever they have a VHS copy of the original cut of the movie like is it on just like can you watch it I don't know oh. or is it like in a glass case and they're like do not touch that's probably do it. not touch the original fingers, <laughs> fingers crossed they occasionally do like a screening or something I mean why not well I mean we have the that weird ass ending for the Watcher in the Woods surely we could have a slice of of the something wicked this way comes. Just give it. Oh, you're saying I should have looked on YouTube before recording. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. <laughs> I mean, might maybe it exists. But even the the lightning rod salesman um, uses the uses one of his lightning rods to stab. Is it Pam Greer or just? I think he just stabs yeah, the Pam glass. Greer. Yeah, he stabs Pam Greer. And there's been all of this this talk about how the carnival always leaves when the storm, like with a storm, like a, basically like lightning shoots down on the carnival and it just dissipates into the air. Like there's there's a lot of backstory about from from Mr. Holloway's father's journal about how the carnival basically just disappears when a bad storm comes. Well, and you can kind of feel the finale coming because a storm is rolling into town. Yeah. So they know that they have to rescue before before the the storm takes the carnival yeah, it, away. Because it'll it'll take away their dad or their kids. Yeah. And and but even the whole movie, there's been talk about a big storm coming. And I guess you expect it to be that the carnival is the big storm, but it's like, oh shit, an actual real storm comes and the storm sort of washes away the carnival and there's just like no evidence of it after it's gone. I love dark carnival shit. <laughs> I really, really like this movie. And it's a uh, it's it's interesting that it's become it's had such a cult following because I honestly growing up, I just thought everybody loved it because I was like, well, a title like that. Oh, come on. And then uh, any time that I heard something wicked this way comes like referenced in pulp culture, I assumed they were talking about this movie. I was like, <laughs> wow, this book really had an impact on people. Like it did not occur to me that this is a quote from Macbeth <laughs> and, and it's just like w- only one throwaway dialogue and like the Shakespeare off that that Mr. Hyde. And, uh, and Mr. Holloway have. 
Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde, Mr. Dark. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, it's, my brain was, was scrambled there. I was thinking about him on the carousel, and it's like he's the painting of Dorian Gray, but for some reason my brain slipped in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's all related. Yeah, it's all there. <laughs> Literature! <laughs> But yeah, this is this has always been like a big favorite of mine. Sorry, was there something else you wanted to mention before we before we get ratings? In? I mean, this is related to nothing that we've been talking about. Okay. But, uh, this movie makes me want to watch Page Master. Well, yeah, Dad's uh, a librarian. Boy is a little blonde well, <laughs> kid you, with glasses. Well, they're just hiding in like the they're hiding in the tops of the books away from a villain who's like chasing them through the library and shit. Hell yeah! I gotta tell you, if uh, if more of Page Master was as was as like heavy hitting as the first twenty minutes when they go into the horror section, we would have already talked about it on this podcast. Yeah, Page Master's pretty spooky though. Yeah. And it also deals with like fathers and sons and. Don't, it's a Disney movie. They all do. <laughs> is it Disney? I can't remember. Yeah. Is it? Oh, Page Master? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It came in a clamshell. I think that's about as much. <laughs> as far as as far as kid brain goes, that's a Disney movie. Yeah, but DreamWorks was doing clamshells too, so who knows? You ready for ratings? Yeah, so ratings of this movie. It's hard because, like I said, it is a little choppy and, sure. it, and it, yeah. does, it does feel a little slow. And there are a lot of like mysteries unanswered, but. I don't necessarily need answers for them, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I really don't know Pam Greer's deal. Yeah. But I don't need to know it. Yeah. Well, it's like nightmares, right? Like, they're, uh, you don't have all the answers in nightmares. And Mr. Dark is a, an all time villain, and I'm surprised he doesn't get referenced more in things. Mm. And I'm, I'm surprised that we don't see more of that style that like literature Shakespeare because when he does his speech in the library it is fucking scary yeah like the, the, the us talking about it I'm like yeah no this sounds like something I wouldn't necessarily want to watch no, it's amazing yeah, like, and it's Jonathan Price's performance for sure oh 100% like you watch it and you're you're stuck on his eyeballs and you're just like yeah you've you've got me i'm here with you yeah you believe that he's been around for centuries and yes. is and is just as powerful as he was uh you know back in the day yeah like he's giving a broadway performance in that scene um so i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of four. Oh wow that's a surprise i did not expect that i'm also a three and a half out of four and i've been fucking watching this movie my entire life <laughs> bitch i love dark ass disney <laughs> okay all right yeah i was i was really excited to hear what you'd say about it because like yeah I've, I've watched it with you before but i don't think we've ever like really sat down and taken it in and as a person who didn't grow up with it I'm, you're kind of giving me the like you know adult discovery rating and oh, but I'm also a child, so <laughs> <laughs> we all know this. Well, there you go. Three and a half out of five, three and a half out of four from the both of us. So I have a finale question for you. Yeah. Of the two movies we covered in our little dark-ass Disney yeah. segment, uh -huh. which one is scarier? Which one is the darkest? Which one is the darkest-ass Disney movie? Well, I got to go with something this way comes, because I think... Saying that the dark that the watcher in the woods is the darkest one is implying that you're watching a version of the movie that doesn't really exist. Yes. Yeah, I and, agree with you there. And arguably, uh and funny enough, the version of Something Wicked This Way Comes, which is apparently not as scary as the version of the movie that doesn't exist, is already fucking scary. Yeah, I think it's overall more scary than The Watcher in the Woods. The Watcher in the Woods has individual sequences that yeah. I think oh, fuck, land yeah. more horrifying. Yes. Then something wicked this way comes, but something wicked this way comes has that lasting horror, like that that fear of death and that fear of aging and a, a bunch of adult fears that 
any age you watch this movie, you're going to find terror. In right. It. Just like this, the seasoning that brings out the spice in this dish yeah, that is like, made for children. You're six years old. Spiders and evil fog. Oh, fuck you're yeah. eight years old. Your dad doesn't love you. <laughs> <laughs> you're 10 years old. Your dad failed you. <laughs> if you're 50 years old, you're, you're going to die before your kid this learns to love you. Yeah, like you're 12. Be careful. Women are black widows. <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, the horror doesn't end. <laughs> But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Something Wicked This Way Comes and The Watcher in the Woods. Let us know about all your favorite dark-ass Disney movies because they've been making dark shit since they first started making movies back in the 30s. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. We'd love to talk with you about movies there. If you're a fan of Nightmare on Film Street, consider giving us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this. And consider supporting us on Patreon by joining the Nightmare on Film Street Fiend Club. There's a ton of bonus episodes and events like watch parties and cool stuff happening there all the time. So head to nofspodcast.com slash fiend club to join. We'll be back again next Thursday, but until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.